Where are all my lady listeners at? Because I am talking to you. Is your time of month an easy breezy situation? Or are you like me and for about a week before your period starts, all you want to do is stay in bed and also eat anything and everything. Or maybe you're experiencing the joys of menopause or that sneaky bee perimenopause. Well then ladies, you've got to try Hormone Harmony. Hormone Harmony is made by the Happy Mammoth Company, which I've been a big fan of for a while now. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called aptogens. Now, here's the beauty about aptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So Hormone Harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible menopausal symptoms that put a woman's life on hold like hot flashes, night sweats, racing thoughts, low moods, poor sleep, feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas, no desire to be in bed with someone. You know what I mean? Yes. Hormone harmony can help with all those things. And the biggest benefit is feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews of Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code CLINK at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use code CLINK for 15% off today. CLINK CLINK ladies. Listeners, did you know that an estimated 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away each year? And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy to ship, leading to excessive carbon emissions. Plus, those products are often filled with nasty ingredients like chlorine and ammonia. That's a lose-lose situation for you and the planet. Nobody's trying to have that. Enter Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. The idea is simple. They offer refillable cleaning products with a beautiful cohesive design that looks great on your counter. Fill your reusable bottles with water, drop in the tablets, and wait for them to dissolve. Genius! You'll never have to grab bulky cleaning supplies on your grocery run again. Refills start at just $2.25. Blue Land is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine, y'all. When I received my first shipment of Blue Land, I was blown away by how this simple concept just makes so much sense. It's so easy. You just drop the tablet into the stylish functional bottles and get your clean on. I love the subscription option because I am not trying to get one more bulky item in my cart. Blue Land products really get the job done and leave my home smelling so fresh and clean. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash clink. You won't want to miss this, guys. Blueland.com slash clink for 15% off. Hi, and welcome to Housewives of True Crime. Welcome. Welcome. I am Tabitha. Give me Dateline, White Wine, and I'll pick up your kids in the carpool line. The next day, right? Yeah, the next day. Okay. And I am Gretchen. I like White Wine, True Crime, and In Bed by Nine because I have a lot of stuff to do in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) We are Housewives of True Crime. Yes, we are. Yes, we are.
Welcome. Welcome. Housewives of True Crime. It's happening. Monday. Monday. Happy, happy Monday, except for it's, we never hardly ever record on a weekend, but it is Saturday for us people because we had to get through the Murdoch trials all the way before we could record. Yeah. And I would like to apologize to the people because, you know, people kept talking to us about the Murdochs and the Murdochs. And we were like, I don't know. It seems kind of dark. Maybe we're not into it. Yeah. We're dumb. Okay. (laughs) We are so dumb. We are so into it now. It's stupid. It's true. It just seemed (laughs) like so overwhelming, right? At first. And then it was, I mean, we have been told about this case since the boat crash. I mean, not even when he was found on the side of the road. So it just, it was like one thing after another and another. And then, and you know how Gretchen and I are, as soon as we get into it, it's, it's like all that consumes our life. And I think we were a little scared of that. Yeah. And then it happened. And so, yes, I was able to, uh, find out the, well, there was two reasons we're recording on a Saturday. It's because during the trial, when the jury came back, I was in my storm shelter because there was a tornado rolling through the Dallas area. And I made my kids all sit there and watch YouTube live to Mm -hmm. see it. And then my power went out for what, like 36 hours or something. So we couldn't record. So annoying. And it came back on late last night. And so here we are today to give it all to you. Yeah. She tried complaining to me about this whole storm shelter business while I was being tortured. I think even more so because I was on a sleepaway field trip again, <laughs> <You were>. again <laughs> on, on, a, damn boat. on the damn boat for the other kid. That's the problem with having twins. Got to do everything right. twice. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you were on that boat and basically I think we were in the same kind of situation. You probably did have power, oh, yeah. which I, I didn't, but I did get some side eyes because you're, it's supposed, you know, you're supposed to be back in like 1836 or something, you know? So they give you this whole lecture about, you know, no phones out, no blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, but the Murdoch trial verdict is coming oh, yeah. in. Like, <laughs> I'm like, you have to text me because I can't be seen like looking at like TMZ. A- I have to be able to be like, oh, it's something really important. That's, That's why I'm looking at said. my phone. She was like, I can't use my phone. Please text as soon as you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So anyways, we'll get into all of that in just a minute. But yeah, so we, we've we had a couple really crazy few days. But okay, so listen, if anybody has back problems, which Gretchen, you have had back problems. Yes. Before. I have been having this problem with my upper back for probably, I would say six months now, and it kind of goes on and off. Some reason when we're on vacation, it goes away, which it's like, well, maybe because I'm not stressed on vacation and whatever. Uh, Although I I would say that's not true because sometimes you're more stressed out on vacation. So true. (laughs) So true. (laughs) There's a lot more to have to do on vacation. You know, I'm expected to uh, perform a little bit on a higher standards on vacation. If yeah. You know I mean. Yeah. And so anyhow, and you're with your kids 24 seven, which is stressful. stressful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. But my back doesn't hurt. So I told my husband it's the bed and he, he, I know is just thinking like that is an expensive 
back problem because you got to yeah. get a new mattress and those things are not cheap. But I know. please tell me, everybody, what mattress mattress is the best for the upper back because that's where my issue is. In well, first of all, shoulder. I think you need I, – I see those mattress commercials all the time. They have like a – you know, like a really long guarantee. Yeah, I know. But they have like a guarantee. Like you can have the mattress oh. for a year. So that's what you need. You need one of those oh, like, yeah, if this right. is not working for me, I can send it back to you. But also I feel like you have to start with like a, a good back. So you need to go get some massages, like get it all. I have chiropractic. been I've been going to the chiropractor every day, by the way. And then that's what my husband said, because today or last night I slept yeah. on the couch just to see. And he goes, you don't think it's because you've been going to the chiropractor every every day? And I'm like, yeah, a little. Yeah, I but- think a little too, because I think if those chiropractors can't work out it out in like one or two cracks, then I think they like get you addicted and then you have to keep coming back. So then I think yeah. sometimes they do more damage than good. Not all chiropractors, but some of them are... Cairo crooks. Cairo crooks. <laughs> like, well, I like, I, I did see my x-rays. My shoulders are one's higher than the other and all this stuff. So anyways, whatever, I'm going to get it figured out. But I think the mattress is the main culprit. Okay. Yeah. And then I also, you know how I had strep throat going around. I like reinfected my child because I didn't change out his toothbrush head and he forgot to use the throwaway toothbrush. And uh, I, can you like reinfect yourself right dude, after? I, okay, listen, I thought that was hocus pocus, whatever the doctor told me that. And I was like, oh, yeah, right, right. Dude, no shit. Like, I was like, how did this happen again? He was like, uh, I used my toothbrush. <laughs> I was like, it's true. It's you know, true. I'm actually impressed that your kid did brush his teeth. Because you know how it works around my house every once in a while. I mean, my girls are pretty good. Actually, they're almost too good. They like put their brother in check and are like, come in here and clean up the toilet seat. You have pee on it. You know, like whatever. But the boy will sporadically come up and blow his breath in your face. Oh, no. And it's awful. No. And it's good. He does it to show you that he brushed his (laughs) teeth and you're like, damn it. I don't think you've done that blow in my face thing for like a month. I I make sure they all brush their teeth. I'm like, that is, I do tell them, but I'm not very good at the follow through. Yeah. I'm usually not good at follow through and follow through with anything. So (laughs) brushing your teeth is good, but my kids, I'll tell you, they do not want to take a shower ever, ever. Ever. Boys like are, it's torture ever. It's torture. I'm like, you guys, it feels so good <sighs> to take a shower. Seriously. So yeah, that is, that's my thing. And then I'm like, meh, oh. they don't have to take a shower every day. Fine. They're boys. It doesn't really matter. And you know, although my son did get sick, um, twice in the last week, I think that they don't get sick that often because of it. You do. I do. Yeah. I think we got a situation you know, around here because my son doesn't want to be wearing the chonies. He, your kids don't ever want to wear chonies. I'm like, you have to be wearing them to school. And so he was like on it for like two days. And then he's like, I'm like, have you been wearing underwear? So he's like, yeah. I'm like, mm, liar. Because I just <laughs> You're did like, the I laundry. Did the laundry. <laughs> <laughs> and I only found one pair, oh buddy. Gosh. And, and like, you're like, I hope you do not 
not take a shower and wear the same pair over and over and over again. So, oh, so funky. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we should talk about something more not funky. Oh, no, this is funky. Oh, this is as funky as it gets, Mm -hmm. but let's get into it. Okay. Okay. Like we said, a million of you have asked us to cover this case. And since we already also told you it's the Murdoch murders and the way they say Murdoch is all kinds of which ways. So, uh, you know, they say Murdoch, Murdoch, Murdoch. Well, how do you want to pronounce it, Gretch? I think we ought to say it like, like from the words of Alec himself, Murdoch and Papa. Murdoch. Oh my God. Puke, puke. <laughs> Listen, and we know this case is like everywhere and oversaturated. So I think we're going to try and put our own, like our personal takeaways. Yes. Okay. So some of you have commented on our Facebook group that you don't really know about it and you're Good. interested in hearing. Good. So that's great. I had a hard time finding anything that was one wrap up real quick, one episode type of thing, except like, you know, the Netflix was three episodes. HBO was three episodes. The podcasts that are on it are multiple episodes. So I, I just wanted to bang my head against the wall with the podcast. I just wanted to wrap it up in one fair swoop of an episode, but the crimes and it's multiple crimes, right? There's like a lot of shit that these people have. They have a lot of skeletons in their closet, this family, but I'm going to condense it for you. And so I think that all of you out there that have done a ton of research, have watched the entire trial, know way more than I'm going to say, just know that I'm putting the facts out that I think are pertinent to the case. There are a lot of facts, but I'm not going to talk about all of them. Also, it's a little bit different of an episode because Gretchen does know about this case. So we're going to talk about it together. Yes. Instead of just me telling her things that she doesn't know because she does know, which is kind of fun. It's more of like that Scott Peterson episode that we did. Oh God, don't say his name. Then it starts coming. (laughs) Don't come at you. (laughs) Okay. Who knows? Some people might um, even think that this one went the wrong way. Listen, for the record, I never said he's like totally... Innocent. Innocent. I just said he deserves (laughs) a retrial. Okay. I think you might be right on that. He did get death penalty, right? The death or got the death sentence changed. Yeah. He did get it changed, but that was his original verdict, which, by the way, probably shouldn't have been. It should have been life in prison. To me, they're the same thing, especially in California, but you know, maybe they go to a different Alec Murdoch got life. I know. And, you know, the judge said that he could have been, it was a death sentence case. Like he could have put, given him the death sentence. So let's go back and start with the Murdoch family. This family's legacy goes way back, but we are going to specifically talk about Alec Murdoch, or that's what he goes by, Alec, even though that's not even his name, but okay. Maggie Murdoch which is the wife and their two sons, Paul and Buster. 
by the way, what do you think of that name, Buster? Well, that's not really his name. His name is really Alex or something. But right. it's, it's one of those things, Buster, Bubba, whatever. It's like, <laughs> well, listen, that's it's like great, that's going to his name. That's going to be so that's your it doesn't sound very professional to me. No, but that's what I feel like. Buster is like the security guard at a rodeo. I do not feel like it's like, yeah, it's like a Bubba name. I don't feel like Buster is the lawyer he was trying to be. It's not a good name. I don't want lawyer Buster. Yeah, but lawyer Buster. I want Buster to cook my barbecue ribs. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Buster was previously there was a Buster that was the town solicitor years and years prior. So that's where he got his nickname from. Okay. I don't have so to like Alec it. And, you know, you don't have to like it. And I see, I think in current times, I would probably forego the buster also. I think a yeah. lot of people make the mistake of giving their kids names that are just like, yeah, it's a real cute little kid name. But how, how does that shake out when you're adult? Okay. Well, listen, my daughter plays volleyball with a girl and her nickname is butter. And that is what they call her. Like there is no other name that they call her. I don't even know her first name. Yeah. And, and I don't know if butter is necessarily a good name as a teenager. Yeah. Even it's my, one of, I, my like kids go to baby. school with a little girl named Poppy, which I think is like the cutest name, mm-hmm. but I just don't know if it like Poppy for president. I don't think it's a real power name. It's definitely not, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Just that's saying. probably her real name. Like, yeah, it is her butter. real name. Yeah, no, and she butter is has cute. a real name. Yeah. Okay. I, I do like the name Poppy. It's it is cute. really cute. But it's cute for a baby. Yeah. A little kid. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, Alec and Maggie, they were a prominent couple in the low country of South Carolina. If you are not familiar with this area, I wouldn't be surprised because I wasn't familiar either. It's a cluster of small counties grouped together in the southern part of South Carolina. Uh, According to Southern Living Magazine, it consists of Beaufort, Jasper, Colleton, or Colleton is how they say it, I think, and Hampton counties. However, some say that they push it further up to include Charleston and Posley Island. When I was reading this article in this magazine, it felt like if you were part of like the low country you were in the bougier area. I could be wrong. I really have no clue. Interesting. Cause I thought North Carolina is supposed to be, Oh my, you know, I could get confused. I do have a friend from the Carolinas and I know when you confuse the two, she gets real like (laughs) retro record scratch. Yeah. They're different. Also. Yeah. I also have a friend too. And then it's like, ah, I'm like, Oh shit. I don't know. I've never been there, but Whatever way it is, I think that this little area has a class system and where you have the rich and powerful, and then you have the lower middle class that some would consider poor side of country folk. But whether you are rich or poor, you are country. Yeah. The Murdaws were rich and powerful ones in the low country, and they, by all accounts, played that lifestyle up. They owned multiple houses. They traveled to exotic lands. They owned boats. They loved to hunt and fish. And they also owned a law firm. And they also did control that land for over a hundred years. You see in 1910, great, great, great grandpa, something Murdaugh started a law firm in the area. 
From there, his son, Randolph Murdoch Sr., ran and won the open solicitor seat in 1920. So a solicitor, which is something I also did not know what it was. Do you, did you know before this case? No. A solicitor is a district attorney who prosecutes all criminal cases in that jurisdiction, which included five counties. So it's pretty powerful position, I would say. Mm-hmm. They are real high-powered individuals. For that they, area. For that area. And they yeah. consume all things law. I mean, they prosecute every single criminal case. This great-grandpa... He died in a car accident in 1941, and that's when his son took over until 1986. And then his son took over, who is Alex Murdoch's father, and he held that position until 2005. And he left the solicitor position and joined his family's law firm. That brings us back to the start of that at 1910. Okay, so you can see this family's legacy goes way back and they were known in all law enforcement. Even this judge that came, he must've been brought in from a different jurisdiction to oversee this trial, but even he knew who they were. You know, he was like, listen, we have been in the same areas. We, you know, I can't believe I'm sitting here with you as the defendant, as the criminal in this case. So and the judge said that because look at this family look like a picture perfect family when you see all those pictures, right? It's the two sons, the mother and her fancy clothes, the attorney dad, Alec, all buttoned up. I don't trust people that be tucking their shirts in all the time. <laughs> if you don't have like a single picture untucked, I'm not with it. Dude, I had a friend back in California and the mom was telling me she wanted to take photos like on the beach for their Christmas card. And the dad would not ever do it. And he had to wear a blue suit in every single family photo. That's it. Divorce. Divorce. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you would even have married that. Never. Never. I know. I know you. Okay. So Buster was the oldest son and he was following in his father's footsteps. Paul, the younger son, well, he was a bit of a wild one. He was attending college in 2019, but it wasn't look like he was going for the town solicitor seat anytime soon as this kid liked to party. And by the ripe old age of 19, I think he already had a drinking problem, which seems so foreign to have a drinking problem that early. However, when I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, we could tell who had drinking problems at that time in our friend group. Mm-hmm. And some of them are now dead because of it. True. So, this drinking problem, I would say, led to uncovering his family's legacy and the legacy of secrets, I mean, because it all started when a tragic accident happened the night of February 23rd, 2019, when a group of Paul's friends and their girlfriends went to go to a party. Paul decided he would take his family's boat upriver to the party so they could bypass any DUI checkpoints that night. I'm sure the girls were not pleased because getting on a boat messes up your hair, but they are 19. So they just went along with their boyfriends because that's kind of what we do at 19. Mm -hmm. Although maybe not anymore. Me and you would 
do I it. I don't know. I was never cool with like, I, I mean, I don't like drunk driving and I don't like drunk driving on boats. <laughs> well, no, but I'm saying just like doing <laughs> So it's shit, like if like the point is to avoid like so we can be drunk and then right. you're going to like drink and drive on a boat. It's like that's like a worse to me. Listen, I'm not saying that. I don't think either. Oh, dude, like I would never get you guys. I would never get in cars with people that were drunk. Be never so much so that I was 17 or no, I was I didn't even have my license yet. I didn't have my, so I must've been like 15. I went to the movie theater outside. What's that called? Drive-in with this guy. And he was drinking beers and I didn't know how to drive much less a stick shift at this time. And I was like, I'm not going home with you. He was like, what? I'm like, I'm not, you just drank beers. He's like, I'm not drunk. I'm like, I don't care. So I had to drive. He's like, fine, drive my car, truck home. And I think it took me like five times to get through one stoplight because I couldn't get it oh out my of the clutch out. Oh my God. <laughs> so no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we would go on a boat when we didn't want to get our hair messed up with our boyfriends because we oh, yeah, sure, shit of course. Like that. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so these girls did know that there was going to be alcohol involved because Paul goes to the, the gas station and buys some beers with his brother's ID and they get on the boat and they're partying all the way up to the party. At the party, Paul is doing beer bongs and he gets super sloshed. At the end of the party, most of the six pack of kids didn't want to go home in Paul's boat. They did want an Uber because it was clear that Paul was too drunk to be driving that boat. Paul says, no, he can't leave his boat there and he needs to get it back to the dock that they guys brought it in. So the five friends are really not into going back on the boat, but they do it anyways. Which Paul's is kind of been- interesting because it is like what they all say was there was no arguing with him. He was just a real asshole. He was like this entitled dickhead that was like, if you guys don't do this, I'm going to throw some kind of fucking fit yes. power trippy little shit. And so they all just were like, well, it's probably easier than dealing with the repercussions of whatever he's going to do. Right. And Paul brought the fun, right? Paul had the toys. Paul mm-hmm. had the hunting house. Paul had all this stuff. So you didn't want to make him mad because you wanted to enjoy the fun. Right? Well, and he was I, so much so like, I'm not exaggerating him being a dickhead. He was so much so a dickhead that that night when his girlfriend asked him to not drive the boat, he slapped her and spit on her. Yeah, he did that. He, which is so, I mean, I think that is the straw. Well, I, I think his girlfriend put up with a lot of stuff before this because of what I just said, like they took her on vacations and they did all this nice stuff for her. And so she just dealt with his bad behavior instead of putting him in check, you know? Yeah. But along the way, Paul wants to stop at a bar and he gets even more drunk. And that's when he turned into what they called Timmy, right? They said when he gets wasted, he turns into a somebody else. And that's also when he spit and slapped on his girlfriend because they did not want him driving. He started doing shit like donuts in the middle of the river. And, you know, I have, I've seen people that do stupid stuff like this. 
when they're drunk. I personally would think if I got in a car and I, or a boat or something, I would be so freaking nervous that I would like like be driving like a grandma, you know, but there are other people that just think life doesn't end. Yeah. And you can do whatever the hell you wanted. And that is what Paul did. And so people tried to take over the wheel. They were getting really angry with him. And instead of him, you know, just saying like, you're right, you know, Cody, take over the, the wheel or whatever. He decides to get pissed at his girlfriend and then guns it. And as he gunned it, he slammed the boat into a bridge And you can imagine all six of these teenagers went flying. Everyone was hurt. But one girl, Mallory Beach, she was missing. She was thrown out of the boat and it was too dark for them to see. And the river is fast. Her boyfriend immediately jumps in the water. The other kids call 911. 911, where's your emergency? Police fire, any Hello? Tell everybody just try and stay as calm as they can, okay? I know it's hard. All five of us are on the bank, but we're, we're missing one person. Right, okay. Please send someone. Oh, no, I'm coming. We're coming. We're coming, okay? So once, so you can hear, I mean, it was crazy. Once the officers arrive, they take the kids to the hospital, except for the boyfriend, Mallory's boyfriend, because he refuses to leave until they find Mallory. Also on the body cam footage that I'm going to play right now, he is so pissed at Paul. Yeah. Bro, you fucking smiling like you're fucking funny. My fucking girlfriend is gone, bro. Do you think it's fucking funny? Hope you rot fucking hell. You can also hear him saying like Murdoch. That's Murdoch. Good luck. You know? And what he means is just that like, this kid is not going to help be held accountable for his actions because those Murdochs never are. They were known for getting away with anything. And talk on the street was that the Murdochs can make you disappear. And I think it's true. Yeah. This family has, they, they have tried so many capital murder cases that they did make people disappear. They did. They, held the death penalty on so many people. And by the way, probably people that were innocent. Yeah. Okay. So back at the hospital, Paul has since called his grandfather, uh, who shows up with his dad. And these two immediately go to work covering up for their son. I mean, God forbid Paul would be held responsible of a death of a young, beautiful girl. They tried to pin it on another boy that was in the boat who actually tried to drive the boat, but Paul wouldn't let him. They went room to room acting as if as their attorneys, which is so freaking bananas to me. And then they tried to tell all of them not to say that Paul was driving. Well, who the fuck was driving if Paul wasn't driving? They just thought that they could create enough confusion that they would never be able to prove that Paul was driving the boat and this would just go away. Because that's what problems usually how it usually works for them is problems just go away. It is mind blowing that you do not see an ounce of compassion come out of them for this little girl, Mallory, who they've probably, it's small town, you know, like they've probably known since was a child. Yes, I'm sure they have. And you know, 
what also it's not just, it's not just the dad and the grandpa, it's Paul himself. And it's the mom. The mom gets in the car with one with the um, boyfriend's mom at one point, remember? And she's like, she just has no compassion whatsoever. Her face is just like, well, what if they don't find her? It's like, what, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like we are, we are missing a teenage girl here. This is, I mean, we, as just podcasters that talk about this stuff, I mean, you're, you don't even know these people, right? But when we do cases, sometimes we get very emotional because it is so sad. And especially for this girl, I mean, she had her life just at the fingertips of life. You know, she just had so much more to live. So it was really sad. They ended up finding Mallory Beach um, over a week later, five miles down the river. Technically, Paul is a murderer at this point. And by the way, I mean, there was no denying that Paul was the driver. It it just, the kids were not going to lie for him at the end of the day. And the way that everybody fell out of the boat, it's like Paul was driving. So he was indicted on three felony counts and he was set to go to trial, but, um, he never actually stepped foot in a jail cell, which is crazy. He never was handcuffed and his booking photo was like in his collared shirt, which people say is just, it's crazy. You never see that. I don't know. I mean, I have never seen that, but it's also a small town. Maybe there's more than one that have not in a jumpsuit. I don't know. It just, I don't know. Just side note though. If God forbid one of my kids was in this situation and they were, did something stupid like drive and somebody, one of their friends was missing or something. The last thing on my mind would be how am I going to, what repercussions is going to happen for my kid? Like, of course, yeah, you're going to jail. Something is happening, but the bigger picture is somebody's dead. Yeah. I'm not trying to get my kid out of it. I'm sorry. Like I will love you, visit you, put all the commissary money, but you have got to be (laughs) accountable. If I get you out of it, you're going to the hot place for sure. There is no chance. This is where we always differ. This is where we always differ. (laughs) We do. But I am going to hold my children accountable. You call me when you're drunk, but you get your ass in jail. I'm not bailing you out if you did something to harm someone else. I think that we have to make sure that our kids do not drive drunk. There is no reason. I mean, just in this case alone, they're like, we could have Ubered. Well, no shit. Then you Uber. Like, do not get in that car. Do not get in that boat. Do not put yourself in that. Position, well, you know, it really no is matter what it really is a cautionary table tale for, for all of us that we, what we can do to pass this on is the fact is every single person on that boat was drinking. And the game plan was to let this person who they knew had a drinking problem, drive them, you know, drive them home. Yeah. And I'm not blaming any of them. Cause we, I certainly made dumb decisions, you know, when I was that age too, But what we all need to get in the habit of doing is have a safe plan to get home. Yeah. From the get, you know, from the get. Right. Because before you you start drinking and you're not thinking clearly too. Yes. And you know that Timmy comes out. So let's not put Timmy in the position to 
try to get you home. Right. Yes, I agree. And they all were underage. But also, I mean, we drank when we were underage. Sure. Allegedly, not really. Don't come for me. (laughs) But, you know, people do it. So we can't hide the fact that people do drink underage. I don't think that is that is the biggest deal um, in this. But it is a big deal that we are letting somebody that we know has a drinking problem drive us. Yeah. The fact that all that, you know, that he didn't didn't go to jail, didn't have handcuffs, all that. It rubbed people the wrong way. It was like the Murdoch get out of jail free card playing right in front of everybody's eyes in a state of, you know, it just, it's just so heartbreaking when a young person dies. And I think that's really where they, everybody was like, what, you know, like he's, of course he gets off. But Paul, and he wasn't, I mean, he was going to, he was going to go to trial. We do not know how the trial was going to play out because the trial date had not even been set. So we don't know actually if it was really going to go to trial. And what Mallory Beach's mother has said is, you know, all she, because they're so, they lived around this arrogance for so long is all she wanted was to see him get on the stand and say, sorry, she didn't even care what they did. He to was him. never going to do that. Yeah. They don't. That's what's he, sad. This, this family, I don't think is sorry for anything, anything. I don't know if it's the legacy of putting people behind bars and probably knowing that some of them aren't actually guilty, getting rid of people that you don't want to see anymore. I don't know if it's just in their genes or what it is, but they don't give a shit. And you can see it. You could see it play out at that trial the entire time. Also, I mean, we'll get to this, but Buster doesn't even freaking cry. He doesn't even talk for his mom's behalf. I mean, there is just like, there's no empathy whatsoever. And I don't know how you can live like that. How can you raise somebody like that? I don't know. So anyways, there was a date scheduled for him not to go to trial, but there was a, some sort of court hearing coming up. Um, but Paul unfortunately never made it to that because shortly before that court hearing, he and his mother were brutally murdered on June 7th, 2021. I'll get into the brutal murder, but let's talk about what happened between 2019 when he killed Mallory until 2021 when he was found murdered. Well, there was a whole year of a pandemic. So I think that's like a bust of a year, right? They probably were with each other a little too much. I can imagine that at this point is when Paul and Maggie got real annoyed with Alex's pill problem. Because as we know, Alec, the, I say Alex or Alec, same person, but the dad had a pill problem that both Paul and Maggie knew about. So I'm like, if you are remember in 2020, I mean, we like didn't leave the house. I'm sure yeah. it was a little different in South Carolina. Well, than Paul in- did actually leave the house. Do you know that I just read that he he went boating regularly? Can you imagine your son is awaiting trial for killing <laughs> oh. someone in a boat in a small town? And you're like, yeah, son, go take the boat out. You know what? I can because in those tapes of Alec talking to Buster from prison, he asked Buster if he wants to go to back basically to the crime scene 
to go hunting. Because there's those deer have not, you know, eaten any of that food in those stands. So they're just prime. They're just prime. I mean, Buster, do you want to go out to where your brother and mother were brutally murdered and they had to like scrape up the brains off the floor? And then do you want to go like shoot some animals? Because that wouldn't be fucking traumatizing. Right. I mean, how like, like my mind is just like blown. I'm like, how like you are the worst human ever. I can ever, ever. Okay. So anyways, I guess he's boating on the boat. Doesn't give a shit that he just killed somebody on probably that same boat that he's taking out. But I know that Maggie and Paul found more and more pills. Paul, I guess, was called a little detective by his mom. Also, this pill problem stemmed back further to further from 2020. You know, I mean, shit, I could think we all could probably pop a couple too many pills in 2020. But this pill problem went long before that. And actually, their old housekeeper, Nanny, she was kind of like a housekeeper. She was Paul's nanny when he was a baby and younger, but then became a housekeeper kind of after that. So kind of an extended part of the family. They didn't want to get rid of her. She had a close relationship with them. It's said that the boys really adored her. She'd been with them for like 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. So she would, she also found pills and she passed away in 2018 from injuries um, that happened at the house. And I will tell you about that in a second. But we also know that Maggie started distancing herself from Alec during this time before these murders. They had multiple properties, like I said, and she started staying at one that Alec wasn't staying at. Her friends claim that she possibly was going to get the big D and I mean divorce, right? The Murdaughs then get sued by Mallory's family, rightfully so. And they also have this criminal case ahead for Paul. And so a lot well, of stuff. And it's on, important right? to say the reason why Mallory's family was suing civilly was because no one was charging Paul with anything. And if they brought on a civil suit, then all the kids in the boat would have to be deposed. Mm-hmm. So they were really just doing it because they just wanted some accountability. Listen, I think they have every I get it to sue. Yeah, I get I, it. I would sue. Yeah. Also, you have taken away my life. You are going to fucking pay however I can get you to pay. And at that point, they're like, this is the only way I can get them to pay because right, they're not doing anything in the courts. They own the courts. So yeah, I can right. at least civilly sue them and something has to be done, right? Um, Make the truth so, come out. Yeah. Yes. You have heard me talk about my language learning skills with Rosetta Stone, and I'm telling you, I'm getting really good at it. I learned a little bit of Japanese before we went to Japan last year, and I really love the French language, so I'm learning French at the moment. Bonjour, bonsoir. I'm even getting a little bit of the accent down. Not very good, but I'm I'm getting there. And with Rosetta Stone, it makes it so easy. I download it on my phone. I learn it in the car. It is awesome. You can do it on your desktop, wherever you find it convenient. They are there for you. And 
They have 25 languages, you guys, that you can use. And right now they are giving a lifetime membership for 50% off. So you can learn as many languages as you want for your entire life, which is amazing. And the best part is it starts off, you know, with just words and then phrases and then sentences. And then you should be able to have a conversation with somebody that also knows the language, which is you know, my entire goal. So don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now. Seriously, get started before your summer vacay. Our listeners get 50% off the lifetime membership. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem it today at rosettastone.com forward slash today. Listeners, today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Are you busy? Well, of course you are. And if you're like me, that means you put off investing because maybe it just doesn't seem urgent or it's intimidating. Enter Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just spare change. Acorns recommends an expert built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. What I love about Acorns is that it gives you the tool to give your money a chance to grow. You don't have to start with a lot. Just start. Believe me, it feels great. Head to acorns.com slash clink or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier one compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash clink. Investing involves risk, including the loss of the principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC Acorns is an SEC registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorns Securities LLC member FINRA slash SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. This episode is sponsored by Astapro. Thanks Astapro for providing Tab and I with samples. Shout out to all my allergy suffering friends out there. You know how they say it's that time of year for allergies? Well, for me, it sort of feels like it's always that time of year. I thought I had tried everything until I recently discovered Astapro. Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. It's faster, bro. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Clink, clink. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Well, let me tell you, mylifeinabook.com is a very unique service. I did it for my mom and my grandmother, and it has been amazing. It basically turns your mom's life stories or your grandmother's or anybody that you think is special in your life into a book. So here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send a question 
via email to the special person, whoever you choose. You can ask custom questions too, but I just kind of let my life in a book choose what questions to ask. And then your special person like your mom can type their response or they can record their voice. And my life in a book compiles it all in a beautiful keepsake for you. And guess what? They can even create audiobooks. I mean, this is such a unique gift that will last a lifetime for you, your mom, your children, your children's children. It is the best gift you can give. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use our code CLINK at checkout for 10% off. This is an unforgettable gift for you and your mom. Get it today. Use our code CLINK, mylifeinabook.com. Listeners, remember when everyone was doing juice cleanses and was basically hangry all the time? Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to lose weight. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Rose partners handle all the insurance paperwork to help get medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. You can sign up online from the comfort of your own home. This means no scheduling a doctor's appointment, no commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to Roe co slash clink sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that medication costs are separate that's r o dot c o slash clink all right so now let me tell you what happened june 7 2021 that was the day paul and maggie were murdered maggie gets a call from alex to meet at a property that they call the moselle property which is not where she had been staying So that's a little sus. She told her friends that day that it was strange that Alex wanted her to go out there and she thought he was up to something. Now, I don't think she thought he was going to kill her, but she probably thought he needed to talk to her about some bank document or some shit, right? I know she had said that to her housekeeper that Alex's dad was really sick and so maybe it was something about that. So anyways, the the Moselle property was their hunting property. It was really big, like 1,800 acres, and they had dog kennels. It's like this area on the property where they had working dogs in kennels, and these are like hunting dogs. They also boarded their friend's dogs there. Paul loved this property. He spent a lot of time there with his friends and family, and he would hunt and fish and probably have a shit ton of fun, I can imagine. It was a great place to hang that particular night. We know that Alex and Paul were there for a short time before Maggie arrived. Paul, I think was there from about seven o'clock. Maggie arrives at around eight o'clock. We know that Paul was there with his dad chatting away near the dog kennels at around seven because Paul snapchatted his dad and his dad was wearing khakis and a blue shirt. Okay. So make note of that. You know, one thing I do want to interject is because I was not clear about this during the trial and everything. I kind of had to look it up myself is that the dog kennels are a pretty good distance from the, from the house. 
Yes. Like, yeah, a, like they're not close. Like she would sometimes Maggie would take like a golf cart or whatever yeah. down there. So it's like, it's a mission to get there. Yes. Yeah, so you need to take, I mean, you could walk there, but you're not going to be walking there if you have a golf cart at hand or if it's at or night. A car. Yeah. Or at, at night. Yeah. Maggie arrives at about eight. They eat dinner, according to Alex. And then after they ate, he took a nap while Pat, Maggie and Paul went out to the dog kennels. According to Alec, he hopped up from his nap just after nine o'clock and decided to go check on his mother who had dementia at a place they called Almeida. So he calls Maggie a bunch of times, like four or five times. And he calls Paul and then he texts Maggie. And what he says is going to check on Ema or something like that. Um, be back soon. Okay. When he returns at 10.01, he calls Maggie with no answer. So he goes up to the dog kennel area where he finds his son and wife brutally shot to death. And he calls 911 at 10.06. This is the story that he gave police over and over and over. Very calm, very concisely from the get. He's interviewed hours, just hours. I mean, like what he calls at 10, they interview him in a cop car at 1 a.m. And I'm going to play that for you right now. Okay, you said 4147 Moselle Road in Allison. Sir? You said 4147 Moselle Road in Allison. Yes, sir. 4147 Moselle Road. Stay on the line with me, okay? Yes, sir. Stay on the line with me, okay? Okay. Connor, County communication. Collison, I have an Alex Murdoch on the line calling from 4147 Moselle Road. He's advising that his wife and child was shot. Okay, and sir, give me the address again. Oh, it's 4147 Moselle Road. I've been up to it now. It's bad. Okay. Oh. Okay, and are they breathing? No, ma'am. Okay, and you said it's your wife and your son? My wife and my son. Are they in a vehicle? No, ma'am. They're on the ground out at my kennel. <laughs> I, uh, I was up at the house. Uh, Laid down, took a nap on the couch, probably, I don't know, 25, 30 minutes. I got up, I called Maggie, didn't get an answer, and I left to go to my mom's. She'd said, So, you know, he says, I had dinner and I did not go to the dog kennels. I, you know, I think it has something to do with this boating accident. And he is not, he like every interview, have you watched all these interviews? They, it's just, he's so calm. Well, it's interesting that he would bring up the boat, the boating accident right away. One of the things that I was just watching, um, his sis, Maggie's sister's testimony Mm -hmm. is that she says in the day that followed, they were all like scared. They were scared for Alex. They were scared for Buster. They were scared for themselves. Like, gosh, you know, we got to find who did this because it's so there. 
as clearly somebody should, did this on purpose. He, they, but yes, what, who knows they who else they be. want to kill? Right. And she says he was not, he was not concerned. No, he about wasn't. that. He wasn't concerned about that. In fact, the thing that came out of his mouth was he was concerned more about clearing Paul's name for the boating accident than he was about finding out who killed him. Yeah, that is, that is very telling. They also said that the whole family was like, we have to find out who is doing this. And they were calling the police and they were calling to see what kind of evidence they had and who, who was like the lead suspects. And Alec was never calling to figure it out. And we've done a lot of cases where, or a handful enough that we know when the spouse is not calling to find out, it's usually comes down to the fact that the spouse did it. You know, it's just, it's, if somebody killed my loved ones, especially my children, I would not get off the phone until I had every detail. Like I just, I, yeah, you would have to bring me the murder suspect or I would call every day. And he didn't do that. Yeah. He just, he didn't. Okay. So media picks up that story right away. Once those two are murdered, I mean, Nancy Grace was all over it and she she did say on the stand or not on the stand on her show, she says it's an angry vigilante that, you know, was mad that Paul killed Mallory. But what everybody didn't know at this time was that there were so many skeletons about to come out on Alec. And you know what? Police didn't really know either. Right. So I'm sure at first that they kind of thought it might be some crazy person that wants to kill this family. Well, they did. They still, even though he, they'd had kind of a fall from grace, you know, they still didn't treat him like they would have treated anybody else. You know, they didn't haul his ass down to the station. Who? And say, Alec? you know, and say the police. Yeah, Alec. Yeah. But he hadn't really had a fall from grace yet or not that the police knew. Yes, it was about to come out, but they didn't know. Yeah. That I mean, Alec- well, I mean, the people hated the family because of the boating accident. But oh, right. Yeah. But still, like, yeah. Was he still kid. was he still wasn't treated. Yeah. So he still wasn't. Tr- he wasn't treated like a, no. a normal criminal. No, dude, you always treated. look at like the husband first. But it. I mean, I guess he has like an alibi. He was at his mom's house, like. Supposedly. He even says, look at my phone. I called Maggie at this time. And so, but they don't know all this fall from grace that he's about to have. They don't know that Alex is actually in a ton of debt. They don't know his life is a hidden volcano about to erupt. They just like everybody else, I think we're thinking like, fuck, dude, it's some crazy person because two guns were used, an AR and a shotgun. So presumably you would think there were two killers. Alex's friends rallied around him at this time. They even helped him with his financial troubles. They bailed him out. They loaned him money. Did you know that? I mean, that's like, no. Yeah, they did right after. I think like a couple hundred thousand more dollars were loaned out to him, but less than three months goes by and Alex's money troubles are reaping their dirty little head because the friends and family realize that 
Yes. They kind of realized that he was stealing money from his law firm, but I don't think they realized until this point that it was millions and they were about to fire his ass on September 3rd. That very next day, he gets confronted by a friend that he owes a couple hundred thousand dollars from. And ironically, Alex gets a flat tire that day on the side of the road. And while he's changing a tire, because I can really see this guy in khaki pants and a fucking button up tucked in, changing his own tire, um, this person pulls up on the side of the road, some random stranger and shoots him in the head. I mean, sure. If the family has somebody coming after them, it's got to be that person, right? The news crews are all over it. How on earth could this happen? These poor people. Um, Alec immediately draws up a sketch of a young white man with super, super short buzz cut hair. He goes to the hospital and shortly after that, like the next day, by the way, he, I, he, he, the bullet must've just like grazed his head. Right. I mean, there was nothing crazy wrong with him. Yeah. He admits that he has a pill problem. He resigns from his company, I guess, because they were trying to save him a little embarrassment um, because, you know, they were firing him. But okay, he resigns from his company and he admits himself to rehab. We see this with which is also because that's where you go. That's where you go when you don't want to get arrested because they can't come get you. (laughs) Right. Well, you don't. You also like I feel I feel as if people admit themselves to rehab to say I'm guilty, but, uh, it's because I had this addiction. That's why I stole right. $3 million from you, you poor people that needed it way more than I did. So yeah. not long after this shooting on the side of the road, we actually find out that it isn't this young white man that shot Alex. We find out that it's his drug dealing buddy, long lost distant cousin, Curtis Smith, right? Yeah. Curtis, he goes by cousin Eddie. Don't fucking ask me why. I don't know if that's his like drug name or what, but Alec admits that he hired Eddie to kill him in an attempted suicide so that Buster could collect. It's like a suicide murder, basically. Like Alec wanted to commit suicide but he couldn't commit suicide because he had this life insurance policy that he didn't realize that even if he did commit suicide, he would have got the money anyways. Um, and which is why I think by the way, I tend to believe more of this cousin Eddie guy because Alec is an attorney. He knows how to read a life insurance policy, right? It's fake news. Alec is not going to kill his himself. story just does not make any sense. By the way, I don't understand. Alec, he wanted to make it. He says it that, does, none of it. That part is like a, is a mystery. It still is a mystery. But what I believe is that he called this guy who he had been paying a lot of money to for drugs. I don't know what else he was paying this guy money for. It's a lot. It was like two point three million dollars over the years. It's a lot of money. 
Could he spend $2.3 million on drugs, on opiate pills? It would have been hard. I think he owed this guy money for other things. It would have been hard. I just don't don't, know. He he did not look like someone, from my experience with people on opioids, he does not look like, he did not look like someone who was doing that $2.3 million worth of drugs. And people have attested that he did not, you, we all know when someone is popping pills or whatever, at, or something, we know you can smell it a while away. They have a drink and then all of a sudden they're wasted or, you know, like whatever. hundred percent. People are saying that that was not the case for him. No, you know? I think he did have an addiction to them. Sure. Was he taking 60 to a hundred oxycodons, codons, whatever they're called a day? I don't think so. I mean, I, no. I, I read, I tried to read like if people have done that before and there were a couple nurses that had said they had seen or they had actually had um, some people that said they did, but they were like, we don't believe it. And I don't know if I believe it either. Like, I do think he was taking some, probably a lot, but he also functioned as an attorney. He also was super smart. He stole all these people's money. He had it together. People say he was so charismatic, super nice guy, always doing stuff. You know, trust me. Yeah. My husband had to take like a handful of those pills because he had that kidney stone. He he was not functioning as well as he usually does. Okay. So anyways, I think he <laughs> called cousin Eddie to the side of the road, which is now Eddie's story or Curtis, whatever the fuck you want to call him is because he's like, Hey, help me with this tire. Curtis is like, sure. Whatever, bud comes there. And then I personally think he was going to kill Curtis and it was like, Curtis was going to, yeah. I mean, that would make more sense because what Curtis says is, yeah. And then that's the guy that Curtis says that he was like, Hey, you're going to kill me or something. And they got into, there was a scuffle with the gun. Right. Because Curtis is like, if I was paid to kill him, I wouldn't miss. I don't miss. He wouldn't, I, you know, whatever. Missed. And so then there's the scuffle with the gun, and he's like, he's like, this is so bizarre. Yeah, I believe that too. He's because he admits he was there, and he says, and then he fled the scene because he's like, I don't want to be mixed up in all this. This is totally bizarre. Why did this guy just call me to the side of the road and then have like you know, a scuffle with have the gun? Guns. Yes, yeah. I believe so too. Curtis is, you know, he, I think he's got, you know, a few colors in the crayon box missing. He also is a meth head. They found meth in his house. He it's clear as day. He is a drug addict. So the guy doesn't have it all. All the cylinders are not shooting off the right way. Okay. So this poor guy is like just doing what this rich guy who's been paying him fucking shitload of money wants him to do. And then Sure. Take that guy out. Alec doesn't give a flying F about him. He he's like, right. Nothing. Yeah. To society and Alec's point, right? He's just a pawn in Alec's game, but not sure exactly how Alex thought it was going to play out, but it did not go the way Alex intended. We know that. No, it didn't. But I don't think and I don't even think I don't even believe his whole like I wanted the $10 million, you know, life insurance policy to go to my one remaining son because I don't think he even give a shit. Also, his dad was on like death's door, this wealthy family. So wouldn't Buster have still gotten I'm sure that kid has a trust fund. 
like he, he had already still died be taken care point. of the dad had died by the by the time he had tried to kill himself or kill Curtis or all those properties I'm sure have been paid off forever like Buster was gonna be fine yes kind of yeah probably I mean um from his grandfather but not from Alec because he's like in tons of debt but yes you're right I that that is fake news that is not true I know he went up on the stand and said that he's a liar liar pants on fire he is the biggest liar liar pants on fire if anybody like He's the biggest. I've I don't think I've seen someone like him yet. This is all all yeah. new to me. All right, my friends. I am going to make this a two-parter unexpectedly because this episode went on for so long. And it's just best if we break it into two. However, let me tell you, the second one is dropping at the same time. So If you're done with this one and you have extra time, just click to the next episode. If you have to get to work, then come back and on your drive home, you get the next version. I wanted to wrap it up in one hour, but it just took a little bit longer. So uh, you guys understand this case is it's a lot. And I, I like just brushed the surface. Also Thursday, we're going to have a very special guest on that is very, very close to the scene of the crime and knows all things low country. So if you are not a Patreon member yet, please join us now. I think you'll like it. And then if you don't want to go on Patreon, then go to Apple subscription and subscribe there. Thursday, we are going to talk more in depth and get kind of the behind the scenes, what it looks like to actually live in the low country when this is going on. And then again, go to part two, clink, clink.